0: Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we jump into this conversation with top executives at Visa and STEP, this episode is part of a special podcast series where we explore the fascinating Gen Z deeper, their relationship with money, how they like to save, spend, and borrow money, their fears and aspirations, and their connections to social issues. Tearsheet thanks our sponsor, Publicis Sapient, for their support. Read more and download customer research about Gen Z and financial services at steeslife.co. That's S-T-E-E-Z-L-I-F-E dot C-O. Welcome, everybody. I'm Tear Sheets, Zach Miller, Editor-in-Chief here. We're running a special series on Gen Z and financial services. We're really trying to get to the bottom of this next generation. We had a conference in June in New York City, and what we were hearing from a lot of executives was that Gen Z was a really big, big target. And I brought in two of my favorite people here to talk about uh, this subject here. We've got C.J. McDonald, CEO, co-founder of Step. And we've got Ruben Salazar, who runs Visa Direct. I'd love for you guys to introduce yourselves um, before we jump into the conversation. I'll, I'll reverse it now. Ruben, would you like to go first?
1: Thank you, sir. Who are you and what do you do? And I am in charge of uh, Visa Direct globally. Visa Direct is the uh, global money movement network for, for Visa. Thank you and welcome here. CJ, can you introduce yourself?
2: Hey, Zach. Thanks for having me. Uh, CJ McDonald, founder and CEO at Step. We built a consumer next generation uh, banking platform uh, where we offer a mobile FDIC insured bank account. We offer a Visa spending card, um, which allows you to spend uh, money anywhere globally that Visa is accepted, as well as enable things like Apple Pay or Google Pay uh, to transact and monitor all of your money.
0: And welcome, CJ, as well. And uh, wh- what I didn't know when I invited both of you is that you did have a partnership there, which is which makes it even more interesting here to have this conversation. But part of our interest in both you guys here was your perspectives as well as the types of organizations you work with. CJ, you've got an you know upstart, you know, fast growing Neobank and, and Ruben you work for one of the largest financial firms in the world. Um, let's start with our first question about what makes this generation unique. Um, CJ, would you like to take that one? What makes Gen Z unique? Yeah, I think you know
2: ultimately, Gen Z is a you know generation of of hustlers and entrepreneurs. and you know, um, the younger demographic has grown up with these tools that you know automatically offer kind of instant gratification. you know, I mean, I've got a six year old son and a ten year old daughter and it's like, daddy, just order it on Amazon and it'll be here later today. Um, or, you know, daddy, we need groceries. You know, can you call, you know, Instacart um, or I'm hungry? Like, let's get DoorDash. Like, it's, it's, they've grown up in this kind of instant gratification and, you know, they've got very high expectations. And, you know, I think that they've got, you know, a, a really strong lens and filter around things like ads and they want you know especially from consumer brands something that's authentic something that's organic and they want to you know be able to make their own decisions they don't want their parents telling them you know what brands that they should be wearing or you know what you know brands in our case that they should be banking with like they they really truly are independent and want to make those decisions on their own and i just think that's different because you know i think about when i was growing up i was like mom dad what should i do and you know, in the banking world, like my parents brought me to Wells Fargo and opened up a bank account. Um, you know, and I kind of look to my parents for trust and kind of inspiration for clothing brands or, you know, consumer brands or whatever the case. And now I just think in this world of social media and whatnot, that this younger generation in particular, like truly wants to make, you know, decisions on their own and wants to have some independence and you know, maybe some guidance, but not be again, told what to do. Um, so I think it's super interesting. And and the other, you know, really compelling thing is to, you know, you mentioned Zach, like so many brands, you know, whether it's financial service brands or, you know, just in general, you know, consumer brands want to get in the hands of this younger generation early because they feel that, you know, if they establish a relationship early, they can grow with them. And I remember from some of our early, early conversations with Visa, it's like, you know, in our world, we're looking to be that first bank account, that first spending card. And Visa's is like, we want that to be a Visa card that they associate that my card is got a Visa logo, something that's trusted, something that's secure. And again, you know, I think that's the case for a lot of different brands. You know, clothing brands want to get to you early so they can kind of grow up with you. With Step, we want to get to you early so we can grow with you each step of your financial journey um food brands water brands like they want to get to this you know younger generation of gen z so they can establish a lifetime relationship so i think it's super interesting and we're excited to be part of it
0: before we go further in our conversation i wanted to call out that Publicis sapiens dave donovan evp of financial services has been banging the table on the need for banks to get serious about serving gen z Dave means business and believes that banks face a huge threat here if they don't get it right. I spoke with him about how to connect with Gen Z and how banks can do it better.
3: My name is David Donovan, and I'm an executive vice president with Publicis Sapient. I lead our financial services vertical in North America at Publicis.
0: Why doesn't financial services in general get Gen Z? What, what What's going on there?
3: Well, I don't think that they've taken the time to really understand the demographic and you know Gen Z is a lot different from millennials and it's a lot different from baby boomers and I think banks have been comfortable thinking that they understand uh, a certain demographic that works for them and Gen Z represents a much different demographic for one they've grown up with uh, you know with technology you know they're they're digital first and for banks, banks have, have evolved into technology. It's not something that's a, a comfortable muscle memory you a know, muscle for them, but it is a very comfortable muscle for Gen Z in, in all aspects of their life.
0: It sounds like what you're saying, Dave, is like you can't just do a marketing campaign and expect to reach Gen Z for a product that doesn't necessarily resonate with them.
3: No, no. I mean, banks, they need to understand and connect in, with Gen Z in a much deeper way. And, you know, the best way to do that is through leveraging digital tools and through transparency and being authentic. One thing that Gen Z values more than anything is authenticity. And banks, I'm not saying that they're not authentic, but they're not always transparent.
0: (laughs) No, banks aren't necessarily known for that. And to do business with Gen Z, the way our institutions communicate will need to change. Our research shows that authenticity, even for brands, is really important for Gen Z. Financial institutions will have to walk their talk if they want to build rapport and trust with their youngest customers. Totally. Um, Ruben, how do, how do you see it? How do you see, given the different generations that, that Visa serves, um, how, how is Gen
1: Z unique from some of the others? I totally agree with uh, CA around the peculiarities of this um, generation. Probably, you know, this is the first generation that is 100% native digital. You no. Know? And they are not, you know, only highly connected, they are hyper connected. Uh, they are using three to five devices. They check social media 100 times, you know, per day. Uh, but they are also highly, highly dependent on digital uh, to run their life. Technically, their entire life uh, runs in an app, um, you know, their friendship, their love, their education, uh, their job, uh, uh, the relationship to money. Everything is running in multiple apps in these devices and that creates some vulnerabilities for them. Um, I believe th- this generation is so open minded and, and so welcoming to test so many uh, different uh technologies that they are easily giving away their privacy and their, uh, data. And that data is, is an amazing thing for, uh, you know, a step and some other, I mean, authentic, uh, legitimate, uh, companies, but also that data is, uh, very dangerous in the wrong hands in the hands of fraudsters and so on. No, we were running some, uh, survey with, uh, uh, morning consult and, uh, what we find out is, I mean, the parents are really concerned about their their easiness in which uh, they can be uh, sharing this data. And I think that creates a significant um, opportunity for companies like Step and for Visa to create very robust platforms that also you know, create a safe and secure environment for them to manage their money. Um, I believe they, you know, in many ways, this is the generation that will create uh, another leapfrog in terms of uh, e-commerce adoption. Uh, for them today, the the primary source of everything they shop is is online. Um, they, you know, many of them, they haven't visited a brick and mortar store, or you know, they will prefer the interaction in a digital medium before going to 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 a bank branch or to a physical store. My son is uh, 19 years old and he was surprised that he needs to go to a bank to actually get, you know, a, a debit card and say, you know, why, why this is happening? What, what is this bank and why do I need, I need to go there. And I think it's going to be a transition, you know, uh, a generation that has a lot of responsibilities in, in their shoulders from how we're going to see our, you know, interaction to technology, or how we're going to see this uh, society evolving to to a, a better uh, human condition, um, because they are so open. They are also, uh, you know, very welcoming to other cultures, other ethnicities. I mean, they they are. Um, less polarized as a generation than previous generations so it's it's something that uh we hope i mean will create a better society in the next uh decades or so
0: i totally appreciate that i, I like that both of you brought in the example of of shopping and i i have teenagers and, and kids in their in their 20s and i they always literally laugh out loud when i say like I, we used to go to record stores not just to shop but like to hang out also it was like they just the idea that even you could buy a song in a store was is, is foreign to them. So, so given some of the, you guys both talked about sort of their their openness and digital first um, stance, like w- given that and their openness to all this technology, what, what do you guys think are some of the challenges to serve this generation, particularly with financial services? L- let's reverse Ruben, maybe you go first this time
1: i think the largest challenge is to understand where they are in terms of uh, adoption of technology No, um, i think uh, the traditional 1 800 uh, uh, number approach for them is not going to work i think um, like a step i mean the entire i mean experience needs to fit in in one mobile or in one app no and uh, that will mean that uh, the banks, the stores, anybody who wants to attract these uh, uh, new consumers will need to think digital fears as they are. And that will transform the, you know, the retail, uh, the banking into an omni-channel sort of a, a value proposition. You know, these consumers want to start their, I mean, transaction, probably in a PlayStation and finish the transaction in the web. And you will need to follow them as they move from device to device to fulfill this thing. No? How you're going to create the, the layer of securities um, that are important for them and to keep them really in, in, in a safe environment to either I mean, shop online or or you know move money or perform any other financial um, transactions. Again, morning consul, and this creates a lot of uh, concern for their parents. Morning consul is saying that fifty-three percent of the parents believe that uh, their uh, kids are on 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 you know exposed for you know financial fraud because of their pervasive use of uh, social media and so on, mm. and 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 they they believe that I mean uh, they will be exposed to false sort of financial advice. Um, because they are trusting their data so easily and signing up in so many places that they lost control of where they're actually having this uh, uh, conversation. So protecting their financial um, uh, future, it will depend heavily on on the type of uh, secure environments we develop for them. Uh, as an industry, you note know, like what we are doing with Step and uh, other partners. How you create the right conditions for these consumers to feel safe when they are sharing, I mean, this uh, type of, I mean, very sensible financial information.
0: And CJ, how, how do you see it? What do you see as some of the, the challenges in in your business?
2: Yeah, I think the expectations are different. Like I mentioned, you know, they expect, you know, they're used to hitting a button and getting groceries delivered within an hour or, you know, hitting a button and having a car show up to, to take them somewhere. Like, and if the car's three minutes later, five minutes late, like they're not happy. Um, you know, meeting those expectations can be challenging, right? Like, you know, you mentioned an 800 number, Zach, like most of this generation does not want an 800 number. They actually don't want to talk to anybody. They want to be able to chat or they want to be able to self, you know, resolve like issues or whatnot. But in order to do that, you know, you need to innovate, you need to, you know, staff differently, you need to, you know, uh, manage kind of expectations as well as the customer. I mean, you know, I always talk about, you know, traditional banks are open Monday through Friday, nine to five, and some of them like might have occasional hours in the morning on Saturday. That doesn't work for this generation. Like they're in school or they're working during those hours. And so they want to be able to like ask questions about their money at eight o'clock at night. Right. Which means, For a brand like us, we have to staff for that, right? And then we've got people on the East Coast and the West Coast. And so, you know, I think about something like our customer service hours where we are operating, you know, essentially from, you know, 4 a.m. Pacific time until midnight Pacific time, which gives us like, you know, a little four hour gap for people to sleep. Like that is not normal for, you know, a card company or for a financial services company. Like it's typically like nine to five um, and like I said, like that doesn't work for this generation, but what does that mean for us? It means there's additional costs, there's additional overhead, there's additional, you know, training and staffing that needs to be done. Um, you know, Ruben, you mentioned your son, you know, like he, he doesn't understand why he needs to go into a bank. Right. Cause he's like, look, I might not even know what checks are. Right. Cause like everything now is direct deposit and, you know, digital. So, you know, the reality is, is he doesn't need to go into a bank really, um, you know, with all these neobanks and financial service platforms, you know, he can set up an account and, you know, typically less than 60 seconds, um, you know, he can uh, deposit cash, you know, in, in some of these mobile and neobanks that he can deposit, you know, physical checks. Um, he can still go to an ATM and, and there's really not a need to go into a bank anymore. But on the same token, as a parent, you may like, for us, it's like we went in, we grew up going into the bank and stuff like that. So that disconnect also between the generations of parent and, you know, the younger folks, there's a little bit of conflict there. Um, you know, like my, my mom, for example, isn't comfortable entering her bank credentials Into you know, plaid uh, to connect her account to Robinhood or you know, Venmo um, because she grew up saying you don't give out any of that information and that's not secure. Like me, like I put my credentials into all sorts of platforms and connect and move money around. And this younger generation is 10 times more willing than I to you know, put their information in freely because that's how they've grown up. So yeah, you know, I think those are some of the challenges, Zach. That it's just there's there's different expectations, and you know, as businesses, like we have to be able to tailor, but also still run a safe, secure platform. Um, and striking that balance is is sometimes challenging.
0: I totally get that. Um, I want to shift gears into marketing, and because that's what this episode's about. Um, at our last conference in June, uh, Dave Donovan from Publicis Sapient said on stage that. He was speaking to a banker and he asked him what their gen strategy was around Gen Z. And he said, well, we don't really have one. And Dave said, why? And he said, well, because we don't make any money from them. <laughs> and so there has to be a willingness and an interest in, in reaching this, this this demographic, of course, to start. But, but CJ, where, where do you see firms you know, messing up here? What kind of common mistakes are there uh, trying to reach this, this, this generation?
2: Well, I think you just mentioned one mis- common mistake is, is, yes, a lot of Gen Z you might not make money on because, you know, they don't make as much and they don't spend as much. But, you know, to my point earlier, if you establish a relationship early with them and you can hook them, you know, to me, the lifetime value is very, very
0: high. long game. Yeah,
2: long game. And so, you know, I think that's one area that, you know, companies go wrong, you know, in terms of thinking like that. That's a very narrow short-minded way to to think about things um i think another area where you know a lot of people go wrong is um not truly trying to understand the customer um you know i personally if i was going to spend the next 10 plus years of my life building a product and building a brand for a demographic that i am surely not i didn't want to send out a research team or i didn't want to make assumptions like i actually wanted to learn firsthand what the pain points were Um, I think you and I talked about this before, Zach, but I mean, I personally went to the movie theaters on Friday night at 6 p.m. for three months straight. I personally went to Starbucks after school at 2.30 p.m., you know, near a school at 2.30 when all the local kids in high school were, like, going to Starbucks to hang out after and get $7 Frappuccinos that, you know, are full of sugar as well as $7, and, you know, if you multiply that by five days, that's $35 a week, you know, if you multiply that by four weeks, like that starts to add up on a monthly base and a yearly base, like going to Starbucks and, you know, getting these five to $7 drinks. But that's what these kids have grown up on, right? Like they've grown up kind of just like, Oh, I'm going to go to Starbucks and get, you know, or I'm going to go get a Bobo tea for $10. Um, So I think not really understanding the demographic and the customer, like that was one of the most powerful learning experiences for me was to go watch firsthand and then start to do focus groups and, talk to them. And, you know, as much as I was curious about, you know, what their financial services platform setup looked like, like, I also wanted to know, you know, what clothing brands were they wearing? What, you know, music were they listening to? What games were they playing? What apps were on their phone? What lingo were they using when they were talking? You know, when I started doing this, you know, I started hearing the word bet and lit and I was like, what, what is this? And, you know, you, kids, they've got these different slang words and stuff that you got to kind of understand. So then you can like lean into it and you can build kind of a brand around them and you can build a product around them. And I just don't think that a lot of brands, you know, take the time and and whatnot to truly understand who their customer is. And for sure, I don't think that banks do it. Right. I mean, they just take their app that they've had and they just reskin it and say, Oh, this is for college students. And, And it's not really what, The college students want. You look at like the penetration of something like Venmo or Cash App, the young folks want kind of the digitally native, the instant, you know, the UX UI that's like specific to them. Um, And I just don't think enough companies pay
0: attention to that. That's really impressive. That story about what you did when you were starting Step about doing your own research and getting familiar with this generation, not being from the generation and I think of banks, you know, and financial institutions. Most of leadership is not, you know, in in Gen Z. Certainly not yet. So, like, right. we're building products for people, you need to know, you need to understand better. I get that, I totally get that. Ruben, what about you? What kind of common mistakes do you see financial institutions making?
1: I guess one additional observation. It, you know, when you are developing uh, marketing campaigns for for this segment, uh, some brands be, terrible mistake of just creating content and content and content. And this uh, segment is, I mean, incredibly savvy. They take eight seconds to decide if that content is relevant or not for them and decide to engage Um, the instead of creating content. I mean, the the company should be looking to create interactions uh, with them Mm. and trying to really understand to see a point uh, what what are the drivers and motivations for for this um, generation to you know trigger decisions on financial matters on retail matters um it is it's not about being, I mean, with a banner in, in a, a snapshot or, or putting your uh, logo in, you know, nice uh, cool T-shirts. It's, it's, it's more complex than that. Uh, mm-hmm. And not understanding the consumer mindset uh, creates this misunderstanding of is this brand is talking to me or just posting, you know, you know, arbitrary, I mean, <laughs> content out there just to see if they hook me. Uh, so... I think it's, um, one thing is to, uh, be present in the channel, but being present in the channel where they are without purpose, without the, the interaction mindset, it's just going to be, you know, another content that they will, will flip is, you know, it's, it's not a click, it's just one second and and you are not there anymore. No, It's just this instant reaction to what you are trying to, to, to communicate to this audience that, uh, uh, creates the difference between great execution and very poor executions.
0: Right. It sounds like what you're saying is there's a lot. It's a lot about engagement, not necessarily just pushing things at 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 Gen Z. Uh, I'd love to hear, Ruben, how how you think about um, marketing to this generation. Given some of the challenges we've talked about, given some of the predilections of the of of the demographic, how do you think about reaching them and 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 doing things right?
1: We are we are mainly um, working with our partners to help them understand mm-hmm. the, the 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 consumer. We um, we are not direct to consumer brands, so we are trying to work with, I mean, CJA and other companies who are targeting and and really focusing this segment to empower these conversations. I believe for us the main. Um, Value proposition from Visa point of view is all the efforts we're making to provide a secure and safe environment for them to manage their money, not only when they are buying, but when they are sending and receiving uh, money. Um, You guys are like the responsible adult in the transaction, it sounds like. Exactly. And whatever we can do uh, to the entire ecosystem and to all, all our partners to understand better. Uh, the the consumer is a great addition to don't over I mean uh, don't make miscom- don't create misconception uh, around what this uh, segment really needs. No? Um, everything in 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 digital out there um, is interesting. Um, my son you know nineteen year old and you know he's broadcasting his location to more than two hundred of his friends. And we say, well, that's, that's fantastic, great technology uh, in the right hands. Uh, mm-hmm. What happens if, if roasters actually get access to, to that location data in, in real time? So those are the kind of things that I mean, mm-hmm. we're trying to, to, to solve for, for the ecosystem and trying to provide you know, secure alternatives to you know, transactions and to money movement. Uh, that can help in the, in the narrative of creating a safe environment.
0: Got it. And, and CJ, I mean, step, you guys are, are pioneers in financial services in terms of um, product and, and messaging to this, to this generation. Can you talk about how, how you think about it?
2: Yeah, I think, again, I talked a little bit about how you have to understand, you know, what the customer's kind of, um, you know, expectations are and, and, uh, what, you know, they demand from brands, you know, for us, again, if you think about we're we're kind of targeting a younger demographic of teenagers and young adults. And, you know, we truly want to build, um, you know, financial literacy and we want to build um, a product that is safe and secure. Um, but, you know, on the same token, like we want to go where our customers are. So, you know, where are our customers? Ruben talked a little bit about it. They're on social media. They're on their phone you know, they're not watching TV traditionally like we used to. So the 800 number or the infomercial that, you know, people, you know, historically would run in terms of a, you know, a marketing campaign. It's, it's now like, how can you create authentic organic content that, you know, gets your message somehow in front of them or your brand in front of them, but also has some authenticity and, and kind of more of an organic feel. Right. And um you know, So like we create content internally and some of the content is fun and engaging and some of it's educational and some of it has brand, you know, kind of awareness and some of it doesn't um, because we're trying to just have a conversation, you know, and in our world it's around life and growing up and and financial, you know, awareness and financial literacy. Um, So, you know, we create content on TikTok, we create content on YouTube, we create you know content on snapchat we create content on instagram like we are going where our customer already lives and trying to be part of that you know conversation or be part of that day-to-day but striking that balance of you know not throwing an ad in their face and you know not repeating an ad in their face but trying to just be cool and trying to be you know um uh, motivational and trying to be relevant um is is something that you know we are doing our best to do. And I think, you know, with a relatively small marketing budget and, you know, with a relatively small team and limited resources, like we've tried to penetrate and, you know, create a brand and launch a brand from nothing. Um, you know, if you think about it, we we haven't even been in market three years yet. Um, you know, we've got, uh, limited capital compared to any large traditional bank or large traditional, you know, credit card company. So we're not going to outspend them in money. We need to outthink them and outsmart them. Um, and you know, we got a long way to go, but in, you know, less than three years, we've got almost 5 million customers on our platform and, you know, we've got a really good V1 product and it continues to get better and we add features and, you know, we need to continue to be the best version of ourselves.
0: It is impressive how how much you've done in in just a short time. Um, I'm curious from both of you when you think about brands outside of the financial services space. Let's say financial services and you know in the, is in the early innings of really being able to engage this this generation. What do you see other brands um, that are doing a good job of engaging Gen Z? CJ, we can start with you.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, there's a there's a water company called Liquid Death. Um, that has come out with you know it's water in a can Um, and I think they've just done a phenomenal job marketing it Um, they've really leaned into the demographic and their customer and you know I mean a lot of Gen Z um, they're not you know super large uh, drinkers or into alcohol and so here's there's this fun you know water brand that you can walk around a party or a concert and you know, if you don't want to drink, you can, you know, that's sort of like a meta,
0: metal feel or something to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's edgy and it's fun and you know, it's actually good water and and I think they've done a phenomenal job kind of marketing water in a can, you know, um, I think their last valuation was $700 million. Um, and you know, I, it's, it's one of the founders is actually a buddy of mine. And I go to all these conferences and he's literally walking around with a backpack, handing out like, you know, cans of liquid death water. Um, you know, I think about other brands like Mr. Beast, Um, you know, he's got he's got his burgers and he's got chocolate. And, you know, I mean, he's got a large following, but he's built these like, you know, multi multi million dollar brands, you know, really just targeting this younger demographic. You think about like Prime, which is a, you know, energy drink um, that Logan Paul um, put out and again, has a relatively large following, but leaned into it and you know, has kind of hit this younger demographic and generation, you know, Kim Kardashian has her skims brand and, and, you know, there's all these people that have come out and like specifically built product or specifically built brand to the younger demographic and younger generation. Um, And I think, you know, a lot of them have done a really good job, just understanding who their customer is and, you know,
1: staying focused.
0: Ruben, how about you? What what kind of brands do you look towards? As, oh, um,
1: yeah, all those brands are doing a terrific job. I I kind of admire Patagonia. You know, yeah. suddenly it's cool to recycle your clothes and to you know take care of you know the clothes in a different way. Um, well, and what's cool about Patagonia indeed. is I I was wearing that in college. You know, that was that was Perfect. cool thirty years ago, and it's cool again. And they are so. Uh, relevant today you know um, the fact that they are teaching our kids that resources aren't infinite and you know one small change in behavior can change you know and have a a deep and meaningful impact in the rest of other people's lives is is just a fantastic way of engaging and creating purpose for a brand and you know uh, it's it's relevant for you know the kids today and it's relevant for you know People like me, you know, um, so it's it, it just a, a great um, transition between generations, which is hard. Either you are cool for one generation and, and, and you know, you create some aversion in the other. But Patagonia really transcends across generation, and, and that is a very difficult aspect to, to achieve. Nike continues to do a, a terrific job, uh, you know, and, and showing the resilience of the athletes, in a way to show i mean how you pursued your dream and you see kids and you know teenagers still i mean really engaged with the brand um the fact that they use sportsmanship to you know create more acceptance and this um you know includes inclusive narrative is also uh, a very attractive uh, message uh, out there so i admire those two
0: i think what's interesting in both of your examples is um most of the brands that you guys mentioned have have some form of aspiration or social value to it um, that this generation wants to attach itself to bigger ideals than just a product. Um, I'd love to zoom out as we're getting to the end of this conversation and maybe look towards the future and hear from. We'll start with you, Ruben. Like, um, how are you think? How are you thinking about working with Gen Z into the future? I know you work. You know, you have the B 2 B to C model, but how 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 are you thinking working with your partners about? helping this, this generation better in the future?
1: Yeah, we believe that, I mean, in the next two or three years, more or less, the Gen Zs will be like 60% of the oral population. And then we're going to face a consumer that will be highly, highly dependent on e-commerce for everything. Um, so creating the right conditions for the brands and the brands of our partners to live in that um, virtual uh, commerce environment will be critical. Um, You know, so we continue to make significant investment in artificial intelligence every year. We, you know, prevent more than $25 billion in frauds just to make sure that, I mean, these these networks remain secure. Um, Tokens, we issue like 5 billion tokens already. Around the world, and tokens, you know, provide a a a way for them not to give away their uh, real payment credentials, but you know, mm-hmm. to protect. Regardless of where they want to have their credentials, we know that we can replace that credential for a token, and hence, you know, uh, protect that transaction. Those are the kind of investments that uh, we are, um, you know, making to make sure that this generation who will be you know, predominantly living in a digital environment will be uh, uh, performing their financial transactions in a secure manner. Um, The the next uh, two or three years, the babies of the next two or three years will be uh, born in the chat GPT and uh, a more, you know, evolved artificial intelligence environment. But it's this generation, uh, the Gen Z, generation that will shape the way We're going to use ai in the in the long term and so it's important for us to create this responsibility around uh, these new technologies uh, in the long term and um, i believe whatever we can do in the uh, you know payment and money movement environment to keep this transaction it will be a great addition so regardless i mean you can go to 20, I mean, social media apps or have your uh, on file credentials in, you know, a hundred places, but uh, it's not your real card credential. It is protected by by Visa. So those are the, the kind of investments that we're making for the long run.
0: Yeah. And, this, and the, I'm always impressed by the, the, the size and breadth of, of Visa's ecosystem. Um, CJ, how about you guys? When when you're thinking about step a, a, and and growing along um, with your customers over the next few years, what are you thinking about to serve them better and 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 get closer to them and their needs?
2: Yeah, I mean, look again. It's it, it's part of what we've been talking about. It's a common theme today of truly understanding your customer. Um, so for us, you know, we 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 want to be that first bank account. We want to be that first spending card. We want to we want to teach them. Um, we don't want them to you know run up a bunch of debt we don't want them to damage their credit and so you know things like we created a product and a card that helps them establish credit at an earlier age and kind of has guardrails on it so you know they can't damage their credit and they can't really accrue you know if they're under 18 they can't accrue any debt once they turn 18 we offer them you know a credit line in some cases where you know they can they can start to build you know credit and start to you know uh, use credit more responsibly. Um, you know I think things like um, on the investment side, you know we offer the ability to buy stocks. We offer the ability to buy um, crypto. Um, crypto is is a new kind of form of. You know, digital payments that I think visas, you know, that's another area that visas leaned into and we've had a lot of conversations with the, the visa team and they've been yeah. innovating on some things across, you know, digital, um, the digital ecosystem. And, you know, Ruben talked a little bit about tokens and, and stuff. Um, you know, we offer the ability for our users to, you know, in a responsible format and, and fashion by crypto um, or stocks. Um, yeah. So we think that that's something that again tailors specifically towards this younger demographic and generation. If we can, you know, enable them um, to do it in a safe environment, um, that's part of our that's part of our goal as well. Um, and then just from a product perspective, we're we're constantly thinking about you know the the future and what the future is going to look like and how we can you know build those products and services and features to to tailor to them and, and their everyday needs.
0: This has been a great conversation. Ruben, C- CJ, thanks for joining us on Tearsheet Podcast
1: today. Thank you. Like Thank that. you, back. Thank you, CJ. Thank you, Ruben. Good talking to you.